This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 90 Nation or visit windownation.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Hello, everybody. John Barchard here with you for episode number 77 of the Go Birds podcast right here, radio.com and sports radio 94 WIP. Elliot Shore Parks is in Ireland, still chasing Spice Girls. James Seltzer, wow, he went from hero status to legendary status. Uh, He's not here this afternoon either, but boy, oh boy, I got to tell you about that whole story in just a little bit. Uh, But we have... uh, Got your mail take bag coming up, obviously. And then uh, Chris Long in the weed. Very hot topic uh, after he retires and certainly want to touch on that. It's pretty, uh, got got some personal takes on the old THC myself. And we'll start, I guess, with Donovan because I, I don't know what you guys really think anymore. Every time he opens his mouth, it seems like there is a, a story. And honestly, that is part of being... Where he is now as an analyst is to have a take on something, and this time it was about himself. I mean, they simply asked Donovan McNabb, are you a Hall of Famer? And he says, of course I am, and I've got better you know, numbers than Troy Aikman, and uh, people don't understand how hard it is to go back to five NFC championship games. And what, like uh, To me, I just don't want to hear about or from Donovan McNabb anymore, even though I'm talking about him right now. You know, it seems like every time this happens, this debate kind of reopens. I feel like we've had, does Donovan McNabb belong in the Hall of Fame debates the moment he left uh, uh, football or the the Eagles or just like, you know, 
it, it's so weird how we went from defending Donovan a lot of the time during his playing career, even though we were frustrated with him and throwing up at the Super Bowl and blah, 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 and the rift between him and T.O., like those are the things that are going to follow him forever. But I don't know if there's any of you feel the same way, but I'm just done caring about it. Like, I'm done. And the last interview that he did with Marks and Reese, and he got on here to try and, I don't know, defend his comments about Carson, whether or not he's got to, the Eagles got to think about moving on from him and whatever. I actually thought what he said wasn't even that bad because it's something that we would all be thinking about if Carson does not, you know, have playoff success. It's just true. But I'm tired of trying to put Donovan McNabb and that whole, like, let's welcome you back into the fold type of thing. Like, I can't do that anymore. I just can't. And he's not a Hall of Famer. He is not a Hall of Famer. And I don't care if Troy Aikman is in there with better numbers. He uh, it got lucky and was a part of a, a Hall of Fame team. And he was still a, a big part of that. And the two Super Bowls and whatever, and the dynasty of the Cowboys. Like, sorry, you get an automatic in in that case. It's the same reason while I'll argue against Eli Manning, even though I'm probably sure Eli Manning has uh, decent enough numbers and better than Troy Aikman's numbers because that's a pretty low bar to begin with. I don't really know how to explain it other than that. Like, Donovan is nowhere close to being a Hall of Fame quarterback. And if it makes you think twice about it, that's usually generally my rule. Is this person a Hall of Famer? And if you can't say yes almost instantly, if your gut doesn't say, or if you go, well, or you dwell on it for a moment, then he's not a Hall of Famer. Uh, I still, and there's that uh, still hanging over our heads when you even try and think of this objectively, too. Like, there is some bias on what Donovan is and isn't towards this fan base anymore, and I feel more than most, I think, that people just kind of want it to all go away. Like, I seriously wonder sometimes if people even want to remember Donovan McNabb and the time, the great times that he gave us as Eagles fans. Because for me, personally, that is when I blew up into the hardest of hardcore Eagles fans. Donovan, Dawkins, Trot, Westbrook, Runyon, Trey, all of them, all of them, every single one of them. That is how I felt about like, wow, this I'm an Eagles fan now. That run was incredible. And we almost, do you even appreciate it anymore? For those that are, that's when you kind of like ascended to your Eagles fandom. Because I started just a little before that. Like I was part of the last year of Ray Rhodes into Cotite into the, you know, the rest of that until Andy kind of came into here. And I obviously knew about Buddy Ryan and, you know, all the legendary games that were there before him, but I was still a little too young to really appreciate all that stuff. So for me, I almost feel like we, we can say to ourselves, uh, we really enjoyed that time. But now that the Super Bowl is here, I, I almost look at this like, uh, just for now, like we will probably appreciate it when we're a little further removed from Nick Foles, the Super Bowl, the crazy run, all of that. But like I, I, I feel like no one really appreciates or wants it to be around of any of that time because there's heartbreak in it, and because this kind of keeps popping into the moment. It's almost like Donovan wants to be the eye of it, even though 
he's distanced himself from this organization many times, from the fans many times, and that shouldn't matter. It should not matter if you're having a, a Hall of Fame debate and you're talking about Donovan. I'm just saying I feel like that's where we all p- kind of point to when these things come up. Um, anyway, and no, he shouldn't be. Just like I said, Donovan is not a Hall of Famer. He can always try and push and act like he is, but he's he's not. Hall of Famers do great things during their career. And there was great during Donovan McNabb's career. It just wasn't sustained great because there was a lot of good in there. And there was okay. And there was also really bad during that time as well. And sorry, all of that stuff matters when it comes to the playoff record. You know, I know it's incredibly hard to go to five NFC championship games, just like it was for the Bills, even though the Bills didn't have to face diddly squat in the AFC when Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and all those guys in 1992 and 93 and 94, like all of that straight garbage in the AFC. It was easier for them to get to. I would say that the NFC East was also that way and it made it a little easier to go get the number one seed and have home field advantage almost every single year to go and do that. You still got to win football games and it's the NFL. I would never diminish those accomplishments at all. It is incredibly hard, but there is a team and a quarterback in a different era that put up great numbers and achieved great things and, and lampooned your numbers out of the out of the like I don't I don't when I close my eyes and I look at you know uh, your Montana's uh your your Brady's your the guys that we're talking about like I'm not even sure right now if Donovan McNabb would be a top 15 quarterback with the amount of talent that is in the league right now or maybe you're saying but John don't you think that Donovan would crush it in this type of offense with what Doug Peterson is running yeah if it's if it's prime Donovan sure but uh, let us not forget that Andy Reid was way ahead of the curve when it come when it came to that as well and maybe there's a little fault of Andy and Donovan that are mixed in there as as well but um there were they were a part of the ahead of the curve offense for a long time and just like Andy's adapted it now to Patrick Mahomes, yeah, you want to swap. The, I mean, just look at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has better talent than Donovan McNabb. He doesn't have a better career because that would be unfair after you know one season. But even then, I mean, what are we talking about? You know, if I if I can look at even fifteen quarterbacks in this league and go, I don't even know if Donovan's better than them. I don't know. I think Donovan still, like from a season standpoint, from a wire-to-wire standpoint, is a much better quarterback than Nick Foles. I, and even though he's won a Super Bowl, I, I fully believe that. Why? Only because we haven't seen Nick Foles start an entire season in his career, and we're going to find that out in Jacksonville. And maybe my opinion changes on that, and I know he won the Super Bowl with the Eagles, but I... I, I still wouldn't do something like that to say, that, like, yeah, sorry, Nick is better, even though he won the title. I wonder if you guys feel the same way at GoBirdSpot, at John Barchard, um, if you want to get in there. I do, however, and we all thought this too, the moment that Carson kind of stepped onto the field, maybe not in 16, but certainly in 17, we all stopped and went, that right there, that quarterback right there is going to be better than Donovan McNabb. It might not look at it now, but that was kind of the wave of, hey, you know, forget Donovan, we got Carson. And I think that's a part of a lot of this, too, is is almost 
I, Donovan can say that it's that it's analyst, but we all know that's not true. Um, and he knows that if he says something, we're going to hear it, no matter what, because um, we're going to react to it. It's just, and and there's two things I guess I want to say with that is uh, we need to stop reacting to what Donovan says, and I'm going to do my best from here on out. Uh, uh, probably along with James and Elliot, I don't know how they feel uh, about it, but if Donovan thing comes up, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. This this was whole my way of of saying, listen, I get it. Um, you still think you should be more respected, not only in Philadelphia but as part of the quarterback club, and you can try to wish that as much as possible. But at the end of the day, you were who you were—a really, really good quarterback with a lot of great success and too much of a chip on your shoulder to get past any of that to be legendary. And Donovan, I just wanted to tell you, you could have been legendary in Philadelphia. You could have been legendary in Washington or or, or Minnesota too, I guess. Um, but you left so much on the field that like, it's hard for me to, to, to say anything otherwise. And I bet if he was way cooler, then people would have an argument swayed one way or the other. But, I mean, if we're just looking at what he did on the field, that is not Hall of Fame. It just isn't. I don't, you know, there when there are arguably, and not even arguably, better quarterbacks that you played during your era and your time from the beginning to the end of it that I would say all have Hall of Fame careers over you is not not a good sign. So, like I said, I this will be my last time that I'll try to force a not even force, just talk about Donovan McNabb. I need a 10-year break. I need a 10-year break from Donovan to try and have a rational um conversation about him cuz I'm I'm just tired of him in general. I am. And it's so weird cuz I was such a big fan of his during his time here, regardless of how he treated the fan base or however, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that, that thought that, but let me tell you this, he is never, ever going to appreciate this fan base al- along the same lines as some of us who do want to appreciate him in the same ways, in the exact same ways that he wants to be appreciated. So Donovan, um, that's it for me. Yeah, you win. You go be an analyst and, and do push-ups and I don't know. Talk about birds or whatever, whatever it is that you are into. Uh, also, uh, I, I guess we can say from a fo- another former Eagles made some news as uh, Chris Long was just on the Dan Patrick show chatting about, hey, I think uh, marijuana would be great instead of Teradol or Vicodin or the fifth of liquor that sometimes gets pounded in a locker room, et cetera, et cetera. And I saw him interact with Tori Smith about said things and be like, yep, that's, you know. I, I used to take my vape pen and everything was good and Tori has never drank or smoked anything in his life, so he kind of passed on it. And there was a lot of different reactions to this. I think they're mostly, at least by my timeline, they're all usually positive for THC usage and it certainly sparked a lot of different debates on uh, on what happens in NFL locker rooms and things like that. And for me personally, like I just I was always a person that didn't really understand like there are a lot of pro weed people a lot of them that kind of treat this thing as 
this new miracle drug and oh look at this and the, you know you just go like okay all right it's someone at, at, at sometimes it always makes you feel like someone is trying to promote how good cigarettes are it's like or promote their benefits uh health benefits for it and that's the way i thought early on in my life i was like all right whatever i'm not really buying that and honestly i think that most people will never be on board with something unless they've had an experience or someone affected by something and thc or marijuana kind of helped them along the way and for me personally i think that's that's what's happened with me to make me really understand how much better it is for you than any type of you know, pain pills or anything else, especially for football players. I mean, this is important, too. Uh, I know it's Vice, which pfft, Vice News is kind of <laughs> it's a little full of itself sometimes. But they they did create a, a great series with a lot of former NFL players to talk about their experiences with painkillers. And I'm sure they're not the only ones on this, but it is uh, and for a league that only tests marijuana once per year and then they don't test for it again is is their kind of wink wink towards everything so it's not like i don't think there needs to be a dramatic policy change that happens in the nfl where guys just don't need to uh you know need to know the date the specific date of when they're testing and then they'd be done with it but um it is thc is so much better for you in in that method i i would even say that THC is better for you than just taking an aspirin or Motrin or something like that to relieve minor to you know moderate pain and in some cases severe pain. And it doesn't mean, as I went back and forth with John McMullen, who I respect a lot, and we got into a great conversation about that, like opiates still have their place. Everything still kind of has their place. Yeah, alcohol still has their place. We all know. We all know it's not good for us. It's basically putting poison into our bodies, but it's still creates some form of relief and it's social and it's whatever and marijuana does uh the same thing and it's way better for you in terms of the downsides of it thc marijuana does have downsides to it especially with we obviously know like all the uh the the jokes that kind of have gone uh across the way for like 30 40 years about you no know, memory loss or just being like lazy and not being all that stuff there there are <laughs> And, and I get some of that, but that's over usage for a lot of different people. And getting back to me personally, just for a little bit, and I'm not even sure if I've even told you guys this. So let's just have this for us, okay? This is not for like a, a Twitter thing, but it's for you guys because you've been with us since forever, and I really appreciate that. So recently, I got into a relationship with a with a beautiful woman and two beautiful kids uh, of her own. And they have a form of autism, which is called Fragile X. It's actually the old, the oldest link to autism in DNA is is Fragile X. So they are nonverbal, which means they can kind of communicate, um, and they kind of can't. And you know, um, and there was a lot of trial and error with these two kids, based on all those different types of prescription drugs and all of those, how can we help them cope a lot better with how they're trying to communicate and what is there something that is available? And I think when we talk about marijuana, everybody just assumes that it's this humongous, big, rolled-up joint 
And people are just passing around like, yeah, this is fucking great. Yeah. And we don't talk enough about oils and tinctures and even edibles and things like that where, you know, trust me, I'm not trying to make it like, oh, no, everybody that smokes or does all these things is strictly here for medical purposes. No, it's also a great time. I get that. You know, personally, I'm not the biggest user, but I've used it before in the past. And I, there was a point where I thought I was allergic to it because of uh, of a lot of this stuff, and uh, I, it never really interested me that much, and it still really doesn't um, to this day. But what it does do is provide a lot of different opportunities for people that uh, you know are are a lot worse off for their bodies in using certain opiates or pills or corrections, or in the case of these two beautiful kids who are amazing doesn't make them have drool come out of their mouth and actually allows them to open up more, stay on task, understand each other a lot better. And that's what I've discovered just in the past like eight to nine months of why marijuana is significantly better, especially when we're talking about NFL players who, I mean, a lot of them are already users in in that case, but that is the door for the last 10 years has been open with these guys to go and find something different that so it doesn't destroy your fucking liver, you know? And I think that's okay thing to ask in, in these uh, circumstances. So, I mean, if it's possible for the NFL, I'm all for it. But at the same time, just don't have that window there that's open. And I know that there's a lot of people, a lot of uh, misinformation out there on both sides. Really, I think a lot of it because the way that THC has been kind of shunned for the last 80 years, there's always an overcorrection to it for people who are really positive and forthright about it. And that is uh, those two sides kind of clashing together. Is it addictive? I mean, it can be if you allow yourself to be just in the same sense if I'm addicted to going to. Uh, have a massage or something like that or running or whatever and you're going dude what are you talking about those are two different things like a massage doesn't kill you you're right Uh, and there's been no deaths from weed from usage ever like peanuts are less safe for you than weed even though that like i said there are still downsides to overusing anything there's downsides to overusing aspirin obviously and advil it's not this is better or this is or no sorry it's not a this is good for you it's a this is better for you than a lot of things that are on the market there and it should be kind of treated as such so i mean i understand everybody's kind of back and forth with it i just know for me personally um it is a positive step for people to uh, not only just help themselves while they're playing this game, but for the future Eagles, future NFL players, if that is something that can be taken care of in the next CBA, I I would love to see that because there's just so much out there uh, in terms of painkillers that really can do so much more damage to you uh, in the long run. And they're Listen, there's a lot of team doctors that that's their job is to neutralize that pain so you can go play almost instantly, to go on and get out there again. Tons of stories about that. And if you can replace those things with at least the option of THC or marijuana or an edible, something uh, like that, rather than taking Vicodin, I mean, just remember Brett Favre and his whole stories of getting addicted to that. 
just to go out and play again. There are other options, and I hope the NFL kind of wises up here and uh, and takes care of business. So, with that being said, my goodness, we got really serious on the Go Bird spot for a moment here. This is what happens when they just leave me in charge of the microphone on a uh, Memorial Day weekend, nonetheless. But we do have your mailbag take bag questions and you can always hit us up at go birds pod for this you leave a take you leave a question and we will make sure it gets answered from our good friend Shitstoke says who i don't believe has missed a mailbag or a take bag and we appreciate that hot take if mike grow doesn't incorporate dallas jj and miles into the offense properly he should be excuse me fired <laughs> uh developing and utilizing young talent is perhaps the most important of a of a job for an OC. Now, I'm I'm curious if he thinks in year one, if they're not like actively in there, they have to go and do that. I would say this though. I I think we are too harsh on Mike Grow in terms of like what he did and did not do and like, you know, how do you not get Golden Tate out there and you know all that. But I I uh I, I think that's Doug's job. Okay? Like it's both of their jobs, but at the end of the day, that is still, 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 still Doug's job to incorporate all of those. I mean, hell, Doug Peterson at this point now has already said, I need to find a way to get Dallas Goddard in there, right? Uh, and then the second thing he has said is, oh, yeah, we got big plans for him. We've, we're wrinkling out, you know, 12 personnel or whatever he's saying. That's Doug's job. Doug calls the plays. Mike Groh can help. Mike Groh can, in the development part, I do agree with you. Like, he needs to be. Uh, in, in a big, humongous chunk of that. But again, we don't exactly know what he does from a day-to-day stance, and that's something that has kind of gotten lost in the offseason is how much, how pissed everybody was about Mike Grow and exactly what uh, you know he was and wasn't in charge of. I think he's a scapegoat. I think that comes down to Doug, but I'm with you, uh, I'm with you on the other stuff there. A good friend, Matt, Matt Gumbrecht, uh, the take to the 2019 Eagles are better than the 2017 Eagles. Uh, won't have a disagreement from uh, me or James or Elliot, I don't think, on that, which is very rare. Uh, and that's just in terms of talent, and that's just true. You know, It's it's better uh, from where they drafted to the amount of corners that they have to all of that. And uh, I'm excited to see if – then. Uh, I mean, I argued it in 2018. The, the team has gotten better in terms of talent, and they haven't avoided the injuries. If they can avoid the injuries this year, man, oh, man. That's where we're, you know, kind of getting all giddy. When you see Carson out there on their last podcast in OTAs, and you're going, if he can even just be uh, three-fourths of what he was in 2017, or seven-eighths, or however you want to slice it, like that is easily 35 touchdowns. Easily 35 touchdowns, and and maybe even more. You know, so uh, from our good friend DZ Quadruple Seven, I know many have stated that Maialata being used as a running back, but thoughts on Doug possibly using as a fullback or an extra eligible offensive lineman in max run protection with the threat of also catching it. I love that second part more than that. I think fullback is out and running back is probably out. But he goes, I remember he said last year, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Maybe you might see him out there. I'm dying for a Mylotta package. I really hope that they do that. You remember the infamous Honey Bobo package when Bo Allen, you know, was out there doing it. I thought, man, what a what a great replacement that would end up being. But to no avail, we've still seen no seen no Jordan Mylotta. I do like him as the extra tackle during those times, though. 
If you are the extra tackle, just like you know, Big V was, I think for a lot of the time during the early part of the season, where it is, it's three tight ends except one of them is an, uh, a tackle. I love that. You want to put him next to Lane Johnson or Jason Peters or Andre Dillard? I think that would be fantastic. Not only in the run game, but just uh, in, in like you said, like have him have him do that infamous. Let's steal from Kyle Shanahan leak formation and just be like, oh, my God, Jordan Mylott is right open in the middle of the field. How'd that happen? I'd like to see him catch a ball first because I don't know if he can actually do that. But uh, I'm, I'm just down to see Jordan Mylott on the field. I wonder, too, if we're like we're getting ourselves so revved up about this guy and we just want to see him because, again, same same process almost as. Uh, as last season, like he seems really cool. He can play the ukulele. He sings like a goddamn angel, and he's been hyped up to be. Oh my god, this seventh round draft pick could be the next left tackle, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I think there's bigger plans. And, and just remember, he is just getting to 21. I think turns 22 during this season. There is plenty of time for him to develop into a great player and to keep him on board. He's not going anywhere. He will be starting somewhere on this offensive line at some point with Carson Wentz. So, you know, have a little patience, but also it would be pretty sweet. Uh, to, I would, I'm would. i still standing by. I would like to see him take guard reps just to make everybody happy, even if it's just during the preseason. Uh, from uh, did Ben Simmons make a three uh, at three-point attempt? Uh, wonderful. Uh, he's still a coward for not shooting one. Why do you think all of these national media people keep saying that Dak should get $30 million per contract uh, per year, uh, I think you meant to say there, but I still got you, instead of Carson Wentz. Simple. Health versus not health. Dak Prescott's been healthy for every single game. Um, you can win with Dak Prescott. You certainly can. Um, I don't know if he can go win games for you, even though it'd be like, what are you talking about? Fourth quarter comebacks, he's been there for Yeah, I get all that. Like he's He, he goes in and, and has had those, and he has that kind of it factor in him, but that gets to a borderline of, well, so did Tim Tebow. <laughs> you line. I always hate that. Like, well, did it, and like, comebacks to me are not a great sign for QBs. Most of the time, it means that you are not just going out and destroying people. You know, time and time again, and it's really tight and it's narrow, and you probably could have made some better plays here and there. And listen, it's football, so it's always going to be that way. But at the end of the day, I think it's just health. That's it. It's really all that matters. Anybody with two eyes can tell you that. Carson has a a much better promise still than Dak Prescott in terms of his ability, where he can put the football, all of that. Um, uh, but the the thing that makes Dak Prescott so successful is he is incredibly smart. He really is, you know, and that's that's part of the reason too. Even though even though spaghetti ranch and chicken is is should be banned for all time, you should never start a football game ever again for eating that meal. But that's why I think the national people kind of look at that. Uh, from our good friend uh, Keith uh, Kenderline, I hope I pronounced that correctly, what do you make of Josh Sweat's rookie season and what should be expected of him this year? I feel as though, like, in the times that he was in there, he was good and okay at some points. His bull rush, if he's just asked to go kill the quarterback, I think he's got some a really impressive skill sets. But um, because of Chris Long not being here, because of another uh, a couple of others that are just kind of up in the air, Vinnie Curry's here, you know, that we talked about on the last podcast, there was this thing going around that, hey, you know, that fourth DN spot is really not that valuable in Jim Schwartz's defense. And me and James looked at each other and went, what do you, what the fuck, where, where, where did this come from? Of course it's valuable. Like, that's why they won the Super Bowl in some ports. Um, if he is going to be that DN4, it's majorly important and, and 
also, in, in terms of our expectations, like you should have three to six sacks in that 4D end spot to be like, okay, this kid's got something. To me, again, it just comes back down to health for him. And a boy, a boy, I feel like we can go down this entire roster and say those things too. But Josh Sweat, to me, um, just has to prove that he belongs here. After that, then I think bigger expectations come for him because I would assume between him and Sharif and Barnett, like those are your three main guys moving for hopefully moving forward. So uh, you should expect a lot more but not a ton. Does that make sense? You should expect a lot more from Josh Sweat, but not a, a like breakout type of year, although I would certainly take one. Uh, and finally, coming from uh, Donald C 58 is there really any competition for the backup QB role? Does Kessler have a chance to make the team and put Clayton Thorson on practice squad? Is Nate Sudfeld safe? Nate Sudfeld is 100% safe in that backup role, at least in my opinion. I don't see Cody Kessler or Clayton Thorson uh, kind of taking over that spot. Um, so is there competition really? I mean, sh- sure, Cody Kessler has been a backup in this league. He started in this league, and that's more than Nate Sudfeld can say. But, I mean, if Cody Kessler ends up scooping that thing somehow, uh, that's going to look really bad for Nate Sudfeld because, like I said, um, I don't think Cody Kessler makes his team, period. I think Clayton Thorson beats that guy out, and he's QB3 and inactive for that particular reason. And I just think that they want to go. They don't want to go through the practice squad stuff in which they went through with Nate Sudfeld again. Just make him an active part of the roster. He'll be there. He'll be QB three, and that's it. Um, because I, I just from one OTA practice, uh, he looks uh, a lot more the part than I probably gave him credit for on his tape. And that was always kind of the debate with him on, like, is this kind of the weapons that he had, or is that on him, or is it a little bit of both? And now I'm kind of leaning towards. Yeah, it looks like it looks like a lot of that was was weapons and things like that too. But still, a long, far way to go from him as well. I haven't even really seen him throw <laughs> live yet either. So, but I I, do, I don't believe that Cody Kessler is going to be on this team. And finally, we will end with this because some other things happened that I forgot to tell you about before we get to James. The Art of the Take Pod has banned me. Banned me. I think it's their first banning ever for simply being sincere, a little bit in the tank with prob- probably some lovely whiskey at my right-hand side, and I was barbecuing and all sorts. But Chris Long retired, and I told Chris that he was one of my favorites to cover, watch, and play, and all that stuff. And I said, thank you forever. You made uh, such an impact in Philadelphia in two years, and that's great, and blah, blah, blah. And because it was so sincere and... uh and apparently wanted attention. Like I didn't even, I didn't even quote tweet the thing. I replied to it I, just to say my thank yous and and move on. And if you're not familiar with the art of the take, it rates takes basically, not how they are, but just the structure of them. And if they're good, if they piss people off, that's a good thing. But if it makes people, you know, oh, that's a really nice thing to say, then uh, they call it thirst. It's thirsty, and if it's thirsty, therefore it's disgusting, and wow, you're just pandering and doing all this other different stuff. Man, let me just say, I say what I think, okay? I'm the guy that said there's no pressure on Carson Wentz. I'm the guy that has gone against the grain many times and been yelled at. I just say what I think, okay? You know what would have been more thirsty? Fucking writing Chris Long a letter like a with pen and paper and sending it to him. That would have been thirsty. Me leaving a note on social media, for Christ's sake. 
just to say thank you to Chris Long. My goodness. Go give Art of the Take one star and then write uh, why they're bad. <laughs> you want a war? Let's start a war, fellas. In fact, all of you guys are bent. How about that? Boom. No Spike. No Fritz. No Julio. Boom. There we go. I can do this, too. I can do this all day. Uh, I'm just I'm just waiting, uh, waiting and waiting and waiting for more and more bannings. But we are at war with the Art of the Thick podcast. That is for sure. Let me tell you about James Seltzer before I leave. My man, who is supposed to be here, uh, saved his dog, Millie, from another dog's... I, I don't even know the breed of the dog, but I will let him tell the story. All I know is my man has got... 50 stitches in his cheek. 50! 50 stitches in his cheek, saving his own dog. He is officially legendary. Legendary, legendary, legendary. We hope you recover quickly, and we hope you recover uh, fully as well. So send James some love because his Memorial Day weekend is not as fun as yours is right now. <laughs> and maybe maybe we can send him cookies. I don't know. Hit me up if you want to send him cookies at John Barchard uh, for that. Really appreciate it, guys. Uh, we will be live and local on uh, Tuesday. When is the next OTA availability for the Eagles? We'll be down there. There will be podcasts. There will be tweets. Elliot will be back. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. I hope every single one of you has a great Memorial Day weekend. And as always, go birds.